Hello and welcome to the second episode of Ruminator, the podcast about everything. My name is Trevor and I am your host and it is 2.34 and uh, yeah, a little bit later tonight, um, well actually, strictly speaking it's earlier, but uh, a little bit late getting to that exact 2.30 mark, uh, no big deal though. Um, don't really have a plan for tonight. Have some stuff I want to talk about. Um, we're just going to drive around and sort of see what's up. I may make it up to Edmond, so we'll talk about that. Talk about my, uh, old high school and probably other, some, you know, some other stuff as well. Um, so last night we started the podcast, um, didn't really settle on a name in that first episode, I finally did settle on, uh, Ruminator, which sounds weird, um, basically it means one who, uh, thinks about something a lot, and, uh, I felt like that was a a pretty good representation of how I, you know, view this podcast. (coughs) Excuse me, I'm sorry. But yeah, um... Ruminator podcast. I, I kind of like that. I made a, a graphic last night. It's not big enough for iTunes yet. I uh, I have to make some modifications. Uh, let's see. Let's see how it sounds if I open my window because it's it's 80 degrees right now outside. So I, I've got the uh, passenger window open. I want to see what that's all about. If. Uh, we get any wind. So I'm using a Zoom H1 hand recorder for the microphone portion of this. And I really like the the Zoom. I mean, it's a, it's a great piece of recording technology. Um, I got it for about $99 at uh, Guitar Center, which, I mean, so if, if you have a Guitar Center in your area, I mean, you could be podcasting almost immediately. I don't have anything else that's hooked up to this. It's just me and the, the thing. So that's, I mean, that's interesting. It's a it's a neat little way to go. I'm not getting a whole lot of wind. That's good. I'm not driving very fast, but, you know. Um, now, I can't tell right now if my headphones or if my recorder sounds right. I'm going to have to check back when I actually listen to the recording in Audacity, which is what I'm using. Um, But yeah, so as I get up here onto Portland, let me see here. Let's, uh, Let's get our seatbelt on. Okay. And cleared. Cool. Um, so, yeah. Uh, you know, there was a, a point I wanted to make earlier. Um... Okay, so about the show, for 
those of you who are now just tuning in for this second episode, Ruminator is a podcast about anything and everything. It's going to basically just be me rambling like this in a car, driving somewhere for a half hour at a time. And, uh, you know, as we go, you know, we'll, we'll start taking more and more suggestions. Um, you know, if we get any, you may not. I mean, it's basically just me rambling. So if, if anybody is listening and you want something, you know, that interests you on the show, just suggest it to me. That's fine. Um, but, uh, basically I just talk about stuff and I'm doing it as kind of a way, hey, this guy's going pretty quick. Cool. Um, basically as a way to sort of force myself into doing podcasting again and force myself to talk in front of a microphone and, uh, basically try to, to, to beat this weird depression thing that I've had going on for at least a year or so. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm still kind of excited about this idea because it's, it's really free form. I don't have to, you know, worry about structure or, you know, anything else like that. I can just sort of do what I like. And that's, that, that makes me kind of excited to keep doing this and to see what, you know, happens with it in the future. Um, as I get onto Hefner Parkway here, uh, actually remember what it was called today, which is a plus, um, I, uh, I want to talk about something, okay, that's probably going to be too much noise, um, I want to talk about something somewhat related to podcasting, there we go, that's a little much, so somewhat related to podcasting called, um, or, or not called, um, voice acting. So voice acting for video games, movies, television, etc. Um, they're, they're covered by a union in Hollywood called the, uh, SAG-AFTRA union. And, uh, one wing of it, at least from what I'm being, I'm, I'm seeing, um, the, uh, the wing that sort of covers, um, voice actors for video games, they are, uh, they're striking, or about to strike, which is super interesting, and, uh, from everything that I've seen, um, it's a completely justified strike, I mean, most strikes are, um, what folks probably don't realize, uh, with strikes is, whenever you see stuff like, oh, the, the teachers, or the steel workers, or whoever, they just want more money, um, what they don't really realize is that, by and large, strikes in the United States are illegal if they don't have mention of monetary improvement. So you could be striking for better workplace conditions, but if you don't mention that you also want a raise as part of that, then they could consider your strike illegitimate and uh, basically bust you for that. Like, uh, you know, there's this whole process with the National Labor Relations Board, and uh, if your process, you know, if you're hearing, if at your hearing they decide that, you know, you and the rest of the union are sort of engaging in this sort of illegal activity, according to the, according to them, um, you know, they can award your employer big bucks, and basically, 
cripple your ability to bargain as a union, which is super, super duper fun. Um, but uh, one of the things with this voice actor strike that's about to happen in the video game industry is that uh, a lot of critics are saying that it really shouldn't be given any credence because pretty much what they're asking for, the uh, secondary um, sort of pay or, or basically royalties essentially, um, you know, it, it, it it's shallow and it makes it super hard to support uh, an actual strike. Never mind the fact that the actual issues that the strike is raising, the uh, the hellish working conditions, um, the uh, insistence by certain employers that are trying to do business with the uh, SAG-AFTRA uh, union. Basically, part of this whole thing is employers in the video game industry want to punish individual voice actors and their agents for um, minor lack of attentiveness. Basically, one of the things I saw was that they wanted to fine individual artists for things like texting, um, yawning, if, if they don't look super excited to be there. They want to fine $2,500. Um, they upped the ante if uh, an agent doesn't have a uh, voice actor audition for a specific special role, um, you know, they, they, these employers are wanting to find the agent, or basically find the union and have the union remove that agent from, you know, the ability to hire these union workers for union jobs. Um, you know, up in, up in the, you know, tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars, which is nuts. And, you know, unions in the United States um, are a lot less radical than I think unions abroad are, but there is still, <clears throat> there are still certain unions out there that sort of held on to the, the revolutionary spirit of uh, unions like the Industrial Workers of the World, um, you know, that that did sort of really fight for workers. And I think that while, you know, the while SAG-AFTRA is not necessarily one of those unions that is super radical or anything like that, I think it is interesting that it is sort of taking a very hardline stance against a lot of these practices. Um, you know, and, and folks are coming out against the you know, coming out against the union like, yo, this is sort of ridiculous. Uh, why are you, you know, why are you doing this? You're, you're just, you're making it hard for the video game industry, for creators to make good art and things like that. And it's like, that's such bullshit. Uh, you know, the, the unions, union artists and union voice actors are kind of the bread and butter of the AAA games industry. Uh, you know, people like Nolan North uh, Will Wheaton is a, a major voice actor, and he's actually one of the major supporters of the strike. Um, you know, people like that, they they put effort and soul into making their art. Now, doing something like this, conversing on a microphone for a half hour uh, is easy. I mean, it really, really is. Being able to breathe life into a character that doesn't have a voice previously. I mean, these characters do not have... Um, 
reality, you know, they're not real until these voice actors can breathe life into them. And a lot of the times, uh, the voice actors are also doing actual physical acting. Like, they're, they're in the motion capture rooms, they're doing the work, you know, and companies want to treat these actors like sort of visitors to their little domains and it's ridiculous I mean you you bring them in as full workers you treat them well and you let them do really good work I mean that's that's sort of the long and short of it at least from my perspective um, and you know I I used to be a lot more into radical unionism and things like that but uh, you know even now as someone who's kind of gone you know away from that and you know not exactly bragging about that or anything but it, it's still pisses me off when people, you know, say, well, you should just be happy for the job you have. Like, you shouldn't complain about what kind of work you have. And it's like, no, that is such bullshit. And I've said bullshit so much tonight. You should absolutely be able to complain about work that you're doing, especially if the work that you're doing, you enjoy it, except for being treated poorly. I mean, you know, like at my job, which I'm not going to mention what that is, but you know, at my job, if I do something poorly, you know, if, if I, if something happens to me, um, you know, not if I do something poorly, but if something happens on the job that I don't like, I'm not going to sit there and say, well, I like the rest of the job, so I'm not going to go ahead and complain about this thing that I dislike because I want that thing to never happen again. That's sort of where, where we would be at in that situation. Like, I guess to, to more fully flesh that out, it's like I work, I do work at a call center. Like I will say that, um, if I worked, you know, 10 hours for a shift, um, which is not unheard of, I mean, with overtime and everything, you know, it, it does still pay pretty well, but it's like, if I worked 10 hours for a shift and they told us that you had to, let's say, take double the number of calls that you've been taking in this same amount of time, I would be like, how is that going to be possible? You know, I, I am here to help the customer. If I can't help the customer because I'm focused on a artificial sort of quota, then what's the point of doing the job? You know, or if sort of we got word from a supervisor or something like that that a change was going to be implemented that would basically dock everybody's hours to 36 hours a week and you could not work any more than that, no overtime no, uh, no exceptions. Um, you know, I would want to either increase the amount of money that I was making or, you know, work for a full 40 hours. Most people can't afford to just not work that extra four hours. And I mean, it sounds ridiculous. Um, you know, but if it's not being replaced by, you know, an increase in pay, a lot of people you know, they're not going to be able to just go out and, and get other jobs to complement that because with the schedules the way they are, I mean, especially in places like call centers, um, you know, it's, you're working there all day. You don't have time to go across town to work at another job because every other job has the same schedule. And so it's like you pretty much just, you're stuck there. And I know that working in a call center isn't exactly... Um, you know, analogies, but I mean, it's very similar. Um, we both use our voices to sort of 
improve our customers' experience, uh, whether it's with the product, um, specifically like video games, or whether it's with um, making sure that the product works smoothly, like with uh, customer service and technical support. Um, so I have I have a lot of feelings about that. Um, it is 2.49, about 15 minutes into the drive. Um, I am in northwest Oklahoma City. Specifically, I'm on May, and uh, I'm about to pass, I think, 150th. Um, and on my left coming up is a symbol of American convenience um, in the form of the on-cue gas station. I've seen these pop up for years. And, you know, gas stations to me have always been sort of these very small, very compact places, not like a full-size store. And, and like, these on-cue stores are ridiculous. I mean, they're huge. <coughs> you know, it's... Uh, it's kind of goofy, actually. Uh, like, I, I think they are kind of goofy. I used to work at a gas station. I don't know. I just, I think they're kind of, you know, silly looking. Um, that's really all I have to say about gas stations. <laughs> I, I, amazingly, I don't have um, perfect discourse <laughs> about gas stations. But, um, yeah, I am passing 150th. And as we kind of go north, um, everything kind of becomes more sparsely populated. Edmond is a, uh, a kind of a sprawling place and it's, it gets densely packed as I, as I head into the center, but sort of on the outskirts, it's, it gets pretty empty and it it was always interesting growing up. I lived on, um, or in a neighborhood called, uh, Homestead and I mean, it was, it used to be at one point the neighborhood and then directly west of us there was just a forest um, like a full-blown forest you know thickets and 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 little canyons and stuff like that and I used to explore down there and uh, pretty much that whole area is now developed it's all houses it's uh, there's like tiny green belt patches but nothing else it's it's weird how urban sprawl just sort of consumes everything and I, I, I saw that from a younger age I think which I mean it's an interesting experience. Um, yeah. So, I'm not sure. I think what I actually want to do, you, you're going to hear me pause. Um, it may take me a little bit longer than about 30 minutes to get to where I'm going. And I know that kind of the idea for this is that it's one long, continuous stream. But uh, a place like Edmond, is uh, it, it's kind of sprawling. And uh, I want to get to my high school in a relatively good amount of time. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to cut, um, and in about eight minutes, I'm going to see where I'm at, and I'll start recording again. Uh, So at about uh, three o'clock, according to my car's display, I will start recording again. See you then. And it is now 3 o'clock. Um, I'm actually nearing Danforth and Santa Fe, which is roughly around my old neighborhood, homestead, as I was saying. And uh, that neighborhood is sort of where I came from. I mean, I lived there from the point that I was 
13 to the point that I was about 21 or 22, which is a long time, almost 10 years. I mean, you know, I've been in Oklahoma for about 10 years, which is super bizarre and, and weird to think about. Um, you know, so yeah, I mean, o- Oklahoma has been the place where I've, you know, grown up and Edmond specifically is sort of where I'm at. So definitely, I'm sorry. I just, bruh, what is your deal? Okay. Gas is 195 right now. I actually, I haven't seen it that low since I moved here, which is insane. Um, you know, I, I still remember this, this whole area pretty well, which is kind of surprising, I think. Um, you know, being out of Edmond specifically for a year, and, and also, I mean, just sort of growing up, it, it still is fairly shocking how well I've committed this place to memory. Um, you know, some stuff has changed, uh, but for the most part, I mean, it, it's pretty much the same. Uh, so, as we near my high school, which will take a couple of minutes here, I think what I want to do is talk about, hmm, what do I want to talk about? You see, these things don't really have any planning. I mean, I'm not planning what to say, or or, or I'm not writing stuff down. I probably should, um, and, and I will likely be doing that when I start getting more and more suggestions, but uh, as of right now, I'm just sort of winging it. Uh, um, I know that Oklahoma is looking at potentially eliminating the uh, the, the three-point beer uh, law, which would bring us around, you know, it, it would get us into the same position as, as a, a lot of other states, um, you know, which would be nice. I mean, six-point beer... I guess is a a better beer. I'm not sure. I I don't drink a whole lot of beers. If you do, let me know, um, you know, if there's any difference. I think pretty much the only difference is that um, I want to say it's like it's six point something um, ounces of alcohol per something. Um again, this is, I mean, it's, it's pretty apparent how much I don't drink. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they're going to be, you know, joining Texas and other states that, you know, allow six point beers. So it's interesting. Um, it'll be neat to see how Oklahoma changes its drinking economy. And here it is, Edmund North, uh, uh, Fretz and Danforth in Edmund. And wow, it has turned into quite the formidable prison block. Um, it's now pretty much uniformly two stories. It's probably expanding even more. I, I know that when I was going to school, it was in the process of expanding. And, I mean, it's already massive. It is a fairly large high school. Um, I think it's got about 2,500 students in it now, which is, you know, hefty. Um obviously with high school, you know, there are some great memories and there are some not so great memories. I think probably the, the biggest thing about high school for me is that it was 
the catalyst that, you know, sort of got me on the path to do journalism, which, of course, is super important for me. But I don't know. It, it seems like, you know, right now, those his, that history is kind of tainted um, because for me, it was offset by a couple experiences that I had in high school. Um, the first being when I was a freshman. Um, this would have been around like two thousand, late two thousand or early two thousand seven. Um, you know, end of my freshman year. Um, I was a different kid. I'll I'll kind of admit that. I mean, I was interested in Stephen King, uh, the horror author, and I really really wanted to write like him. I mean. Um, you know, down to the, the hokey main accents. Like I was just all over that crap. I, I really do respect Stephen King as a writer. And, um, I, I actually have read and sort of notated, uh, my own copy of on writing by him. And uh, of course the dark tower series and all that stuff. I'm a big fan, but, uh, I wanted to be like Stephen King, kind of the shortened, you know, short end of that. And I was writing a, a little manuscript, um, and it was it was kind of dark. Looking back, it was not a great manuscript. I mean, it was it was just not good. But uh, you know, it was mine, and it was it was something I was really proud of. And I, I showed kids, and I was hey, this is awesome. This is super fun. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if it was a student or if like one of my old English teachers or something like that, because um, I switched an English teacher um, from the first semester to the second semester. I almost wonder if that teacher sort of told him, you're like, hey, this, he's writing weird things. And this was right after the Virginia Tech shooting, which, which puts me in, it, it really did put me in a weird situation because the assistant principal for the freshman class was really on the lookout for the new or the next, I guess, school shooter of of the Virginia Tech kind. And that's super, like, skeevy in itself. Um, but what sucked is that he targeted me because I fit at least one of the demographics. I wasn't, like, the, you know, perfect star student and, you know, I kind of have resting bitch face. Like, I really do have a kind of a negative expression a lot of the time. So people think that I'm angry or sad. And it's like, no, mostly if I look like I'm mad, I'm probably squinting because I need to get my eyes checked. Um, if I look otherwise sad, that's just my sort of resting mope face or resting sort of bitch face, whatever, however you want to refer it to. And uh, so that... <laughs> I was kind of this weird perfect target for, you know, this dude to go on a witch hunt, which was not not fun. Um other experiences include getting suspended from the internet because of looking up anarchist material on school computers, which was not a smart move on my part, but whatever. Um but I mean kind of the crowning achievement was senior year of high school going in to the, and, and this is going to be kind of where I end today's episode, going into the, um, 
going into the main school, like, sort of hall, and <laughs> I had a shirt on that said, racism sucks. It was a, I want to say Volcom shirt, could be another skate company. Basically, the message was just, vol, you know, racism sucks. Very, very simple, very non-sort of controversial. And <laughs> the assistant principal, a different one this time, pulled me aside as I was walking to my AP government class, or, or test, actually. So, like, you know, the test in the auditorium where everyone gets together and sort of just does this test. And he says, you need to change your shirt. And I said, for for what? It said, what do you mean? It was like, that shirt's inappropriate. So... I go into the office and I get this stupid basketball shirt that they had since 1960 or something like that. It's a super old and ratty shirt, basically, to make kids who have inappropriate shirts feel bad. And I said, "What's what was the problem with this shirt? He was like, if you don't change the shirt, you're not going to get to take your government test, basically. So I changed the shirt just because I don't want to sort of rock the boat anymore. I, I just want to make sure that... I get to this test and do it because, you know, college and stuff. And as I'm going into the auditorium wearing this dumb shirt, I see one of the jock kids whose parents, I think, were, you know, I think the dad was a judge in, in Edmond. He was wearing a shirt that said, get your balls wet. <laughs> it was a beer pong shirt. So, I mean, um, you know, it, it just sort of struck me as like, this is... My shirt was inappropriate, but his shirt could, like, what? And it, there are just those kind of minor moments that, you know, stick out to me is like, the they shaped who I was in, in kind of a negative way. And they do kind of cloud my sort of rosy conception of, of high school as sort of the genesis of where I'm at now, which, you know, with the whole journalism thing. Um, I don't know. It just feels weird. Um, you know, and I am getting uncomfortably close to the five month or the five year, um, or actually I'm closer now than I was to the 10 year reunion for high school. So I don't know how that's going to go. Um, I may not go. Who knows if, uh, this show is still around in five more years, you will find out. Until then, and until tomorrow, this has been the Ruminator Podcast, a podcast about everything. We drove to Edmond in Oklahoma today, kind of the northern suburb of Oklahoma City. We talked about high school. We talked about some fun stuff with the Screen Actors Guild Voice Actor Union. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if you want to submit stuff, feel free to do so at my Twitter account, which is at Illicit Popsicle, and at the asexualanarchist.tumblr.com. I'm always available to chat there. If you can find me elsewhere, uh, you know, feel free to leave me a message or anything like that, and I can't promise that I'll respond, but I'll do my best. Um, we don't really have a whole lot of, uh, you know, separate or standalone social media for 
this yet, but Ruminator, uh, excuse me, Ruminator will have that kind of stuff as we go. But it is now 3.12 in the morning on the 24th of September, a Thursday, in the year of our Lord, the Flying Spaghetti Monster 2015. I will never use that line again. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I will talk to you all tomorrow.